Sir Balper, the 200 Brass, and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his monthly appearance. It's his monthly appearance on the program, senior editor at Fangraphs.com, Jeff Sullivan. Jeff Sullivan is the guest on this edition of the program. And what follows, as he does during each of his appearances, Jeff Sullivan holds forth on nothing in particular. Does Jeff Sullivan have a beautiful mind? Perhaps. If not, however, he at least has a decently attractive mind. And those who consent to listen to everything uh, that follows uh, will bear witness to it, bear full witness to it. A particular note in what follows, Sullivan and I declare uh, our passionate allegiances for 13th round prospects. His for Colorado Rockies draftee Miles Jones, me for Nationals draftee Max Schrock. We also learned the considerable value that Sullivan places on punctuality. I could have put on clothes, but then I would have been an additional minute later to this podcast, and I, I thought at some point I didn't want to delay any longer. Deliriously amusing comments uh, like that, and also that specific and deliriously amusing comment to follow in what follows, in what follows. What is happening right now is not actually yet the conversation with Jeff Sullivan. It is instead a sponsor's message, the sponsor's draft, and the draft app. You have heard me discuss at length the virtues of the draft app. So allow me to reiterate all of that, but merely in the form of bullet points. Draft is an app. It is a daily fantasy sports type game. It is the first such one designed for the mobile devices. The mobile devices, by placing, see a definite article there, the mobile devices, I officially established myself uh, as someone who has no idea what's going on. You download the app. You conduct snake drafts. You each select five players. Whoever has the most fantasy points wins. Can you wager American currency? Yes. Would you like to download it? Yes. Now you do. Do you have the iOS operating system? Go to the App Store. Do you have the Android operating system? Go to Google Play or something like Google Play. Finally, do you have a different operating system than either of those? I don't know what to tell you. What you need to do is conform. Conform immediately. But definitely what you need to do because I know... I know somehow it benefits this program is to download the draft app. And let's end it there. That is the end of the sponsor's message. And now let us progress post-haste and without delay to a conversation with Jeff Sullivan. What is it? It's Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? That same senior editor for Fangraphs.com, Jeff Sullivan. And when does it begin? Right now. From this depth chart. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> oh no, what uh, what happened to Nick Tepish? Uh, I deleted him from the free agent depth chart because he's been signed by the Rangers to a minor league contract. Oh yeah. Uh, re-signed. Okay, you re-signed. Yeah. No. No, I'm going to uh, not add him to the Rangers depth chart. What's uh? <clears throat> excuse me. What? Um, how many? In charge of how many teams are you? Uh, five. And then, because I am obsessive about these things and I'm around all the time, I I like to overstep sometimes and and do stuff for other people when I, I feel like they're being too slow. Sometimes what you will do is, if a player has just been signed, you will you will do a before and after. Yes. You and you have the means by which to do that. Yeah, sort of. It's neat when you uh, up to update the depth charts, and then it takes, I think, like 10 or 15 minutes or something for the site to reflect it. But then I like 
getting a sort of instantaneous feedback of what this does to a team. Granted, you can usually do it off the top of your head, but it's still cool to see. Yeah. What happens? The the site somehow runs uh, like a thousand or a million simulations? I think it's, what is it, one or ten thousand? One of those. Yeah. I would say. I'd ask David Appleman, but I haven't heard from the man in months. What is he doing? I don't know. Where is he? I know. I did see him in Bethesda, Maryland recently. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have plans to get together. I just saw him walking down the street. There <laughs> goes David Appleman in Bethesda. <laughs> uh, Bethesda Appleman would be a good name for a hypothetical daughter he doesn't have. Oh, yeah. Bethesda Appleman. Appleman's, I think Appleman's a decent last name. I've been thinking about that with my own last name. Sestuli is a little bit of a monster of a surname uh, for appending first names. You uh-huh. know? Uh, yeah, so how many? You need to narrow down the syllables first, I think. Well, there's Appleman, Appleman is good because you get the Appleman. No, no. Sestuli is hard. You have the emphasis on the second syllable. Do you think and that's the problem? Is the I mean, it's, it's among the bevy of problems that your name has. I don't. I actually don't particularly care. I don't know how you feel the same way about this. I don't care for S sounds at all. Uh, huh? And my name, of course, is full of them. Perhaps that's the reason. But Carson Sestuli, I don't care uh-huh. for S sounds. They... I don't know if it's uh, – I don't think it has anything to do with the, the sort of uh, snake-like, the serpentine connotations. Uh-huh. Uh, for, I just don't care for the sandum. It's unpleasant to me. You have what one, you, Sullivan. Yeah, I have I have one. What if you replace the S with – what's the next letter? T. Carton. Carton. Tatuli. Tatuli? Carton Tatuli. It sounds absurd, but you, I, it's, a, it, it's a little bit better, I suppose. Tatuli. Tatuli. You got Tit in the name. Well, you have that. <laughs> are you are you in the process of of trying to give your name to a, a small thing that you've you've built? <laughs> Not with your bare hands, but with your bare something else. <laughs> the, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to name other people's children. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, Bethesda is a good one. Bethesda uh, is not bad. That actually, that technically has an S, but I believe it's a Z phoneme. Okay, what if we just run down? Okay, here's some first names I'm seeing on Roto World, which is the page I'm looking at right now. Uh, okay. Angelo, Angelo, not bad. Angelo uh, actually is actually Angelo is a great name. Angelo Sestuli. There you go. See, so that's the one advantage to having Sestuli as the surname is you can you can pair it with a an ethnic name. <laughs> and that is, uh, and it doesn't sound absurd. So Angelo uh-huh. would work, yeah. Okay, well let's try the next name that I'm seeing. Yoannis. <laughs> you think you could pull off a Yoannis? No, that's too. It's again it's too many S's. Yeah. Now this is I can't tell if this is Daryl or Darrell because uh, I, well I don't need to go into detail. I don't know which one this is, so let's skip it. Is it Daryl uh, Sweeney? No, it's Darnell Dar- Sweeney. It's Daryl. I think it's Daryl Siciliani. So Mets, Mets. Well, no longer Mets. Designated for assignment by Mets. Uh, Daryl Siciliani. I'm gonna guess based on the Italian sounding last name, it's Daryl. Yeah. But Daryl Siciliani is terrible. And I don't know actually, does he pronounce it Siciliani or, or Ciciliani? Uh, you know, well, C- I. No, yeah, I, Not only do I not know, I think that given that he was designated for assignment, I'm in no position to find out anytime soon. Yeah, let me inform you about, uh, Siciliani. Siciliani. Let me inform you. He, he's originally from Madras. Oregon? Yeah. Oh, neat. Is that that's Ellsbury too? Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds is very that, right. Yeah. Ellsbury is either Madras or Redmond. Yeah, Madras. 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 Yes, in fact, they went to the same high school. Only two players 
to graduate to the majors from that high school. And from that town. Presumably from that town. And what do you know? They both wound up in New York. Oh, but except, I guess, Siciliani, not so much, right? Uh, well, he was, he played with the Mets last year, it turns out, and it was terrible. Ciliani, wait, no, Cess, yes, there it is, Cess Ciliani. <laughs> you, so you've looked, you're looking at a Ioannis too, yeah? Yeah. So you're looking at a Cess Ciliani and a Cespitus. Uh huh. Yeah, just a, yeah, you're... an observation I've made. <laughs> Both work. Ellsbury and Siciliani, drafted by Tampa Bay, out of Mad- Madras, Madras. Madras, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. What else are first names you got? Uh, Gerald. Ah, Gerald's not bad. I don't think it no, would it's, work. No, it's, it's bad. <laughs> I don't know it's, if it would work bad. with Sestouli. But, um, no, wait, what about, we'll what about Joe, but with no E? Just J-O. Just Joe. Uh, maybe for a girl. Yeah, I think it's bad. So what are you doing? What are you doing with these names? Are you trying to? I'm uh, just always wondering, just in case, uh, just in case <laughs> one of. I think I think what you're looking for is a break. You're looking for a vacation, and you think, well, what better means of having a vacation than a little child in the house? Hopefully, yours. I have sometimes thought about it, and not for my own sake, but for my wife's as a, as a means for a vacation, because <laughs> I think uh, with I don't know what the what is the going, what is the typical. Uh, vacation, not it's not vacation. What is maternity leave typically? It's low in the states typically, right? I have never inquired. No. It is. I do recognize because of political dialogue, we supposedly have a much smaller or shorter maternity leave than most civilized is, countries. Yeah. Or it's but, probably more uh, dependent on the actual, like private sector, like whatever the whatever the particular company chooses or employer. How much? How much time did Dave take off when he had a little? Too long. Too long or not long and long, long enough? <laughs> it's one or the other. It definitely was not just right. <laughs> it definitely was not just right. Too long for somebody or uh, not long enough for someone else maybe. Well, I don't know. I think uh, I, maybe people should be just be given the rest of their lives off if they have a child. Just uh, this is going to take up a lot of your time. Yeah, well, I think that a lot of people psychologically just kind of quit anyway. Like you... Well, it's a I great excuse. It's a great excuse. I think you and I have talked about this before, maybe. I don't know if it's been on air or not. But, it, <clears throat> uh, but if you could say, if you, if you say, I have to, I, I'm sorry, I cannot go to your function that, to which you've just invited me because my wife and I have plans. I have dinner with my wife. And then that is, that has a certain level of gravity that my girlfriend does not, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. And then if you say beyond that, if you have <laughs> this trump card, if you have my, ch- uh, because my child, I have to do something because of my child. That has even more gravity. What you have landed on is the reason I haven't seen my cousins in suburban Portland for three years. Oh, really? They have their kid. Well, you could get yourself out there, Jeff. Or do they just don't want to see you? They always have an <laughs> What am I going to intentionally go to suburban Portland? I don't know. What is suburban? Just, just, is that Tualatin? That's one of them. Lake Oswego, Beaverton, Hillsborough, Gresham. Don't really understand the Portland suburbs at all, really. I guess. Why would you want to? I don't know. I, yeah, maybe I that's think part I speak of... for all of us <laughs> when I say it would be in the national best interest if they were to be eliminated and all of the residents were to be no, 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 eliminated. No. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one of the values, and I've uh, I've recently discovered this is that if you're looking if you're looking to buy property, typically, well, this is not a true. I guess of all suburbs at all, but typically, the further you go from the city center, the, the cheaper the the property is going to be. 
And that's one reason to move out there. Yeah. And especially if you have a tiny person in your house, a tiny person who makes ungodly noises, you want to have, in some cases, or you know, many people feel as though they, they, they want a structure that's large enough so they could put that tiny person in one area of the house and then take their own bodies to another area of the house that's far enough away they can't hear the child. I think that's why houses have multiple stories. You have the adult quarters and you have the baby quarters. And then if if you do your job just right, then you can't really hear what's going on in uh, in the other. See, Dave has one of those baby monitors. I think he's doing it all wrong. If anything, you need the opposite of a baby monitor, which is a... Which is a pillow over the baby's <laughs> It's a pillow. Exactly. So what your infanticide is essentially is what you're looking at. That's what you I'm can, not going. I'm not going to go any further with this. No, I'm. I'm back to the Jacoby. So with your with your last with your last name, do you think that that would be best paired with uh, an Irishman's name, or do you think anything would work? Oh, I think it's best paired with no name. There shouldn't be Sullivan's. It's a boring name. Sullivan. Yeah, it used to be O'Sullivan. That had a little flair to it, but it's gone. And what Sullivan. Is it, what does it mean? Uh, Irish immigrant. <laughs> I'm an Irish immigrant. It means dark names. Dark? No, it doesn't mean it. it means dark eyes. Dark eyes? I think so. That's what seven seconds of Google of internet researching means. It could be a first name. I actually Sullivan as a first name is pretty good. I like it as a first name. Yeah, for sure. And as a last name, it it just it's a bummer because you have the first syllable is what's emphasized. It just kind of trails off. <laughs> it's like the people just get too bored to keep yeah. keep going on. It's like if it were like. Just Sullivan. No, that's see, you can't even emphasize another Sullivan. It, you can't do it because it's just such a whimper of a last few syllables that it's like it. You cede power to the person you're talking to if your last name is Sullivan and you're introducing yourself as such. Like Sestuli, you have the advantage because you have the second syllable emphasized. So if we were talking to one another, you become the alpha. But then if we have a third, I don't know what's the last. Who? What's the last name that's three syllables emphasizes the last syllable? How about it's this one? Cameron. How about this last name? Modigliani. Modigliani. Yeah, right there. That person takes power over both of us. You We're think so? That guy's slaves. So, so the, the, so you, by you, by the definition, by this construct that you're, de- that you're developing here. Yeah. <clears throat> the priority in terms of like alpha male in is given to, is given to the person, or it's not even maleness, I suppose, just superiority in general, is attributed to the person whose name has the stress on the, like the, the furthest syllable from the front. Yeah, you gotta end emphatically. <laughs> Cause like my last name is, it's like a poorly structured essay that has a really lame conclusion. Mm-hmm. It doesn't compel anyone to think about the argument. It's just like, oh, this, this sucked. It's like, I don't know. It's like the movie, Independence Day, except it isn't all terrible. Yeah. No, that wasn't a very good comparison. Okay, so I <laughs> see I'm having trouble thinking of last names, and I need to go through just like a player database. But uh, right now I'm looking at Madras, Oregon, so there's not a whole lot of players to choose from. No. But I think. What last names like, do you want to see? Well, that's the problem. I can't think of them. But like when I go to the the gym that I go to, and then I check in, and I always have to remind them of my name because I've only been going there for three f-ing years. It's no big deal that they don't remember who I am. And then it's just like, oh yeah, Sullivan, Sullivan. Uh, and I just, like, I go in, like, with a pep, pep in my step and a mm-hmm. smile on my face. And then no, it's you like, don't. Oh, yeah, Sullivan. I do. I f-ing do. And then I say Sullivan. And then I and just bo- start. They're bored start. immediately. <laughs> they're bored immediately. They forget what they were doing. I just sulk over to the changing room. It's miserable. 
What's O'Sullivan. Your... That's that's more interesting. Even mm-hmm. though that still has the the syllable first, O'Sullivan. Yeah. It's kind of a double emphasis, which I think makes up for. When did your little Irish people come to the country? Do you know? Well, before I was born. Where did they settle? Do you know? Well, I assume before you were born. Do you know where they settled? <laughs> no. See, in uh, in eighth or seventh grade, we had a family history uh, project and assignment in school that we were supposed to talk to a bunch of our relatives, go through all the paperwork, and and figure out uh, all of our background. I, I and so like I know yeah. where part of this is going yeah. or could go. And uh, so <laughs> my brother did that mm-hmm. three uh, three or four years before I did. Uh-huh. And then when it was my turn for the assignment, I found my brother's assignment and did that. And so <laughs> I had to submit none of the memories to my own memory. Yeah. And so they went out as quickly as they came in. I'm not even sure they came in at all. I just became uh, a new... I just became a different throat saying the words that essentially my brother had gathered and arranged. Uh, I can I can tell you that we had uh, some of our, our Polish background settled in Taunton, Massachusetts. Taunton, Mass. Yeah. Taunton. Taunton. Uh, and other than that, all I know is my dad was born in Hawaii. Your dad was born in Hawaii? Yeah, but he doesn't... He wasn't Hawaiian. He was in the military. Well, I guess he was Hawaiian, but he uh, he was actually a a bald ginger. Oh, okay. So yeah, he didn't quite. I'm I'm not a tan individual, as you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, you also not you're not red haired either. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Thank God. I I, uh, I think any and all uh, uh, genetic characteristics. No, no, I want to stop you right there. Be... No, you're wrong. There's a tier. There's a few tiers, I should say. There's a hierarchy. Now, I'm not going to explicitly describe how the hierarchy is structured. That gets into this a lot of had to do with skin color. Is that what you're about to tell me? <laughs> Let's just go back to infanticide. I felt a little more comfortable. <laughs> so how are you doing? What have you been up to for the last month? You had the holidays. Mm, yeah. A little over a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had them. Yeah. You had them. We, yeah. had them. We, we all, all had them. We all went right through them. I believe I talked to you. You were in New Hampshire? Possibly. Uh, well, it is you where were, I live as well. Yeah. yeah, but you were visiting uh, family, but you were not long. You were not visiting family for long. You were there, I just think, just for a meal, maybe a day. Yeah. Uh, was that really? Was that when I did that? It's hard. So uh, so hard to recall those repressed memories. <laughs> um, no, I think. Yeah. Well, I know where you were. You were in. Uh, you were in San Diego. Yeah, you're not turning this around on me. No. I want to talk to you. I want to. I want to. I want to bring something up. I. Uh, <clears throat> it will occasionally happen, and it's happening right now, that I will become uh, disgusted by my um, my facility or lack thereof with the language, mm. with English, and I and I and I can tell you a couple of ways it manifests itself. But one one thing. So first of all, the verb the verb to be is is um, just disgusts me. Mm-hmm. I I don't care for using it, and then I become self-conscious when I do use it. Mm-hmm. I am using it. That's an example of the verb to be, <laughs> or a version of the verb to be. Anyway, I don't care for the verb to be. I uh, I feel plain and uh, and wretched when I use it. Yeah. Here's some other here's some other uh, things, which is another thing I don't like to say. Here's some other things that when I when I say them uh, to make. Um, to make an to make a noun into an adjective, just add adding the word y to it. Yeah. Uh, 
So yeah. like to say someone is – so just like if you say, oh, he's beefy. That guy's beefy. You don't know another word for stout or something like that? You know, stout. Stout's a great word. Stout's mm-hmm. a great word. Now I'm satisfied for having been able to recall it right now, but I frequently can't. And so I find myself using words like beefy, you know? And you have that Y at the end. Oh, well, how does it taste? Oh, it's chocolatey. It's chocolatey. Okay, see, I think you – I agree with where you're going, although I disagree with your initial example because I actually like beefy because you're not using it to describe the taste of beef. You're using it as <laughs> – a different a different form. So to describe somebody as beefy, I think it's colorful because you are not saying this man is like like meat. He's just like he's built like a cow. Uh, but then chocolatey. That's of course that's the opposite of imaginative. That's just it's putting trying, a Y on right, word just, because they're having chocolate. Right. To just to just derive the adjectival form of a word by adding Y to it yep. repulses me. Just like with nicknames and people shorten last names and then add a Y to it. Like all athletes and every sports team do this. Right. And of course your, your last name is Sullivan. And yeah. You, you, yeah you, I'm, you've been the object of this to, to no, no small extent, I assume. I'm familiar. Sully. You're Sully. Although Sully, I, I had, I actually have a warm place in my heart, not because of any particular reason. It's just something about it that seems amusing to me. Anyway, here's the, here's the, here's uh, the inverse of the example I've just brought up. Or related version to it is to have an have to to render to make an adjective to render it a noun by adding n e s s to it, right? Uh-huh. So you would say like, uh, oh no, the problem is tiredness, right? Uh-huh. But you could just say, when you could say fatigue. Fatigue is what you mean when you say tiredness. Yes. I love that word fatigue because every time I every time I utilize it, I say. Oh, thank God I avoided tiredness. But you, Perhaps you know, an explanation for using the word tiredness is because you are too fatigued to think <laughs> of the words that you, you want to use. You can say you're too tired. I don't mind tired necessarily. But just both of those things. So making an adjective by adding a Y, making a noun by adding N-E-S-S. Uh-huh. And it turns out, actually, sometimes there's not, sometimes there's not a form that will tell you. Here's another one that's confusing. <clears throat> There's an ad, uh, just the word adjective. You hear that word adjective? Right. Adjective is a noun. Adjective is a noun, right? Because it's describing a thing. It's describing what uh, what an adjective is, and it's an adjective. Yeah. And then, and then, in addition to an adjective, you can render, you can make that there's there's an adjectival form of adjective. It's adjectival, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Now let's look at nouns, though. And it's also the same with verb. You have verbs, and then you have an adjectival form of verb that's verbal. You can have a verbal form of something. But look at nouns. There's the word noun, but there's no nounal form. Nounal is not a word. What's the adjectival form of noun? I never known it. I think it might be noun, but I don't care for that. Are you looking it up? No, I was thinking about uh, taking my headphones off and going downstairs. <laughs> I... I've just been uh, dwelling, <laughs> dwelling on that recently. Yeah. I think perhaps like the audience, I will also abandon this podcast. <laughs> well, you asked me what's been bothering me recently. That's Okay, that's fair. I brought this upon myself. Yeah, well, and were you, what is it, like the last six, eight, nine months or something like that, I've been doing more editorial work, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so a lot of my job... patterns. What's that? Yeah, I imagine you're going to start seeing a lot of patterns. Yeah, well, I'm observing, and it's not—it's never—it's never a problem I have with someone else's writing. 
it's what I see. It's when someone else's writing reminds me of the flaws of my own writing or my own instincts. Because uh-huh. I'm adult. I was not. I never read enough. I didn't read enough as a young person. So, <clears throat> so my um, language acquisition was stunted. Okay, mm-hmm. and so that's why my writing is full of affectation. Because when I was when it when it <laughs> when it came time for me to sit down and write, I didn't have. I had not done enough reading, so I didn't know. I didn't. I was not familiar enough with sentences as a young person. I wouldn't. I didn't know what writing looked like. I remember one time I sat down. My friend Emily, who was smarter than me, we were in the same English class, and my writing teacher approached me and was like, "Your writing is bad." And I went to like a pretty good high school, right? And he's like, "Your writing is bad," and that's not actually the insult. Here's the insult: your friend Emily is going to be the one who tutors you on writing. And I was like, "Oh, that's terrible! That's terrible! It's embarrassing for everyone involved." And I, and then my friend Emily was helping me in my writing. We were seniors in high school. <clears throat> and I, and I'm like, uh, oh, so like Emily, like you clearly understand how to do this. Like, how did you get good at writing? And she's like, like, what do you suggest? She's like, I suggest you go back in time and read more. <laughs> and I was like, what you're actually suggesting is I build a time machine. Um, and I wouldn't go back and read more. I'd go back and kill Hitler because it's my obligation as a human. But the point is, the point is the only solution is to go back and read. But I didn't have that, and so that's why my writing is affected. Is because I didn't, I didn't have that that base. And so now every time I sit down to write something, it's like a it's like a nightmare. What if you went back further and destroyed the meteor that collided with the Earth that killed all the dinosaurs? Mm. Um, I, well, I don't know what it benefit. I mean, I don't know, but you kind of have to find out, right? I guess, yeah. I uh, mean, your your odds, I think, would be slim. What but... would happen? Well, would humans ever develop, or would we constantly get, getting chased around by dinosaurs still? I think the dinosaurs. I think uh, I think maybe maybe you and I would have developed, but our identities would uh, would be as as dinosaurs. What? I have to think about this. What if there was a what if there was a creature that was like a that was like a black widow spider, say, right? Mm. But it was it was big. It was really big. Like it was it was like a big like it was like a human sized thing. That's terrifying, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm terrified by spiders that are no bigger than the end of my finger. Right. Like a, a black widow spider. A black widow or as a... As an example. Or a brown widow spider. Wait, a brown widow is a thing? Uh, not only is it a thing, my understanding is they're, they're uh, worse than black widows. I, th- I think I might have told you the story before. Wait, you're, I didn't you're know not about... just setting up a, an ethnic joke, are you? Carson, because <laughs> I know that I know that's eventually. Are you going to? So if you were to say which is better or worse, which one is it? The you black have to widow. Know. I'm not going to sit here and set up. I'm not going to telegraph an <laughs> ethnic joke. If I'm going to make an ethnic joke, it's just going to come out of left field. It's going to surprise us both. <laughs> okay. But that's not what I'm going to do here. All like right. uh, I don't know, ten, seven, eight, some amount of years ago, I didn't know what brown widow spiders were either. Because they're not they a thing. You've just invented them. No, I did. Well, okay. If I invented them, then I went to great detail mm-hmm. to uh, put them on the internet with the research and science. So there, I lived in uh, the house I grew up in, and we had a pool. This is the above-ground pool. Oh, we this were, is in San Diego. Or, this is in San Diego. Yeah, it's your yeah. fault. Uh, <laughs> I declare that it's your <laughs> fault because anything can survive there, or almost nothing can survive there, depending on your perspective. It is. A desert that should not be habitated as much as it. So there was. I found a black widow in the pool 
uh, area. You saw a black, you spotted a black I widow. I, I spotted a black widow. It was the first black widow I'd ever seen in my life. Okay. I thought, oh, that is, that's kind of terrifying. I'm going to avoid that end of the pool because mm-hmm. my head thought it could kill me at that point. It's unlucky. But anyway. Wait, wait, wait. So was it, it was in the pool or just around the pool area? If it was in the pool, I wouldn't have been afraid. It would have been very dead. Okay. It yeah, was, that's a good point. It was beside the pool, uh, much better for its own well-being. But, but you didn't I kill it or anything. No, I didn't do anything to it. I kept my distance. Uh, and so I let it be. And then a few months later, I was in the, uh, at the computer area and I was looking out in the backyard and I saw some interesting white puffs along some of the, uh, the structures in the yard. And I went back to explore and I, I realized, okay, these are nests. These are spider nests. Yeah, which is gross. But then I also kept my distance from them. But then not too much later, I decided, well, I want to do the opposite of keep my distance from them. And I want to find out what this is because I researched and I thought maybe these are brown widow nests, which I had never heard of until I looked them up. And then... Wait, uh, how did the, you come to the conclusion? Did you look at images somewhere? I looked at images of... Did you use Encarta to look at <laughs> look up images of various nests? <laughs> uh, if it adds to the humor of the story, then let's go with Encarta. I don't remember what I did. It was just internet. And... Uh, so the method I devised to make sure these were brown widow nests was I got a stick and I hit some of the nests and then brown <laughs> widow spiders fell out. Like adult, it wasn't like babies by the millions fell out. Like adult brown widow spiders would fall because they were somewhere in there. They would fall to the ground and then I would see them and I'd think, yeah, that's a brown widow Wait, spider. Wait, just like flocks of spiders were falling out of these nests? No, just like one. The one who spun the web would just oh. like... But there were multiple nests though. There were like two or three. Okay. So, so how many spiders I, total did you did you see? Uh, so at first I knocked <laughs> out like two or three of them, All right. and I thought, okay, those are big, and the, thankfully they're running away from where I am as opposed to toward me. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, now I've confirmed these are brown widow ne- uh, nests. I'm going to not mess around with them. And then some time passed, and I thought it's probably time to mess around with them. And so you I went got. Back out. I I had a pretty large Tupperware container that I oh guess we God. can think of as a uh, what is that? Uh, ter, terranium? Is that what they're called? Terrarium? Terrarium? Yeah, terrarium, not terrarium. So, I took an a, ad a hoc large, terrarium is what you've designed. Ad hoc terrarium. So I put in like some sticks and leaves and dirt because you want to make it familiar. And then How I, many years after your serious brain trauma did this occur? Apparently not enough. <laughs> and so I had the little terrarium. How many years I, after I the, returned. after the death of your father did it occur? <laughs> So I had the terrarium, and it was underneath the webs, and I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to collect these spiders, and uh, I knocked out two two brown widow spiders, which are very poisonous and, and dangerous. I knocked them into the Tupperware container, which I sealed up real nice, and uh, then I found some ants, and so I put some ants in the container because I thought the spiders would probably want to eat, mm-hmm. and I found... Uh, some like assorted other small bugs in the yard. It was a pretty big yard, so I just put in the container. And then I found some much smaller spiders. They were just kind of crawling around, so I put them in there as well. And then I went to the uh, the inside bathroom, and I noticed in the corner of the bathroom, for some reason, there was like one of those daddy long legs, or maybe an imitation daddy long legs. One of they're very common. You see them in, in the house all the time. I don't yeah, know. In how the world, time. they're common. I, they exist everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I put. I didn't want that day long legs in the bathroom anymore, so I put that also in the terrarium, and then I just kind of forgot about it. I don't know what I was doing. It was some sort of like battle royale situation, but I figured, okay, 
I'll look at it in some days and see what's left alive. Did you alive. put holes in it? Yeah, I put some holes in it because right. I wanted them to live. Yeah. Well, you wanted... Uh, you I wanted, wanted them something to live. To live. <laughs> yeah. So I went back just kind of assuming, okay, so maybe one of the brown widows is going to kill the other. And I, I looked at it like four or five days later, and the only thing left alive was the daddy long legs that had just jacked up everything. Like Really? It had, yeah, it had just... It killed the brown widows, and in my head, it just probably killed them first to remove the threat. And then it... Uh, it killed everything else. So the uh, there's that urban legend about how Daddy Longlegs are like the most poisonous spider, but they can't pierce human skin, and that's a lie. But uh, they are at least very poisonous to fellow spiders. How, what is, so what is a what does a Daddy Longlegs do? How does it how does it take down a, a brown widow? I mean, I guess I could see from this point of view is that it has almost no mass. So right. attempting to attack it, I mean, humans, it's pretty easy because we can smush it. But if uh-huh. you're another spider, it becomes more challenging, I guess. And you can't really reach it if it gets up on its legs, right? You could It could conceivably surround you and attack you in the back, and then there's nothing you can do, provided the venom is fast enough. So it does have venom of some sort? It must. Okay. I mean, it had something to kill those spiders. It was the only thing left? Yeah. So I, I let him out. I put him back inside. He won. You did, you did science, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you? Oh, this is after I graduated college. <laughs> this was right around when I was meeting the woman that I moved to Portland with. So th- I was a a full blown adult, yeah, conducting a spider and spider related battle royale in a Tupperware that I'm sure that I used for meals. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not um, for better or for worse, Jeff, and I mean perhaps you know. This is just for your own reference. Is like that is definitely uh, that is definitely the conduct of a of a person who's on the autism spectrum. I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying that's good or bad. Yeah, I'm no, just saying that that for maybe take that to like a local because that might help you. It might help you in other areas of your life knowing that. I mean, I could be offended, but realistically, no, no, I, no. I'm not saying it should be offended. I'm just saying it it might it might help you in terms of coping in other areas of your life. Oh, I'm long beyond the point of of resisting the idea that I'm somewhere yeah. that I'm diagnosable. Yeah. Yeah. The hardest thing in the goddamn world is going on those MLB Network segments and then staring at the camera the whole. Oh, I did not have time. it. Up. You were just on recently, weren't you? Yeah, I was on like last last Monday. Oh, Monday. I didn't get a chance to see you looking around in a way. Of, no, um, I don't do that anymore because good. I I learned. I think I only looked away once or twice, and then apparently I used to also also do this thing where I would just like swallow, probably out of nervousness. That was. Watching old segments is bad, man, but I think the most recent one went okay. Now I just need to talk slower. But, uh, yeah, I went on, and then I just, I can't, I don't know, what, even when you're talking to someone very familiar, normal conversation, when you're talking to your wife, how long, if you're talking for 30 seconds, you have a 30-second story, which is probably the least amount of time any one of your stories takes, mm-hmm. how long are you actually looking at your wife's face as you talk? Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, well, when do you take breaks? It's, the, it's, it's, it's totally unnatural. Because especially, and I don't know what your camera uh, setup is like, but when I did it, it was just like a little hole in the wall, like 15 feet away. <laughs> but you, but you know, as you're sitting there, that if you break eye contact, that you look like you you look like a sex offender immediately. <laughs> well, yeah, you do. <laughs> I was using you in the general sense. One. Like, I think I just looked suspicious, but you. Yeah. Well, definitely... so sure. Okay, suspicious. Like someone might suspect you of, of 
molesting their children. That's one of the <laughs> suspicions that arises. As, as I went back and I watched the first segment I ever did, and this was like two or three years ago, LV Network, and I kept like looking away from the camera because I thought the camera wasn't on me uh, when I wasn't talking. Mm-hmm. I... As I look at it, I think I looked like someone who was being kept captive and asked to appear on camera yeah. as a prisoner to discuss adjusting ballpark dimensions. <laughs> you're, you're looking around and attempting to ga- gauge the room for points of weakness. Yeah, like where's the vent, doctor? <laughs> how, how do I get out here? You get MacGyver-like. You're attempting to assess the easiest escape route. They keep they keep asking me questions about 1995 Kaufman Stadium, and I just want to get out of this prison. Yeah. Hey, I, did you bring up? Has this all been a prelude these 33 minutes uh, uh, to prompting me to ask you about your Marlins piece and the new ballpark? <laughs> no, because you know I thought if anything, I thought this piece would lead with the pitch framing thing. Because when I put that post up, I thought you know this. this I'll say. You probably go through this as well. Very seldom do I write something and think this matters, <laughs> you know, because it just—it usually doesn't. Not to more than some number of people. But the pitch framing thing—it's not like a new idea. I didn't make it up, but I posted it and I thought this—this this is kind of a big deal if yeah. this is yeah. true. And it, it's not like I came up with it. Oh, this that is, got featured at Fangraphs.com. Yeah, I know. It's I, and I, it has been. Go ahead. I, as soon as I saw it, I said, I've got to check the feature box on this one. Oh, you're in charge of the featuring now? Uh, Cameron is, I mean, ultimately is in charge, but he doesn't, uh, he's doing, I don't know what he's doing all the time, but apparently it's too important <laughs> for us. And so, uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I will occasionally, uh, be tasked with choosing what to feature or not. Yeah. Yeah, that one was, the, the idea has kind of gone around, and I think I've sort of alluded to it in posts before, but, Actually starting to see some stuff in the numbers, I was thinking this is a really unique circumstance where we have a stat that's measuring something, but then it's possible for there to be a pushback because unlike other areas, like when we figure out, I don't know, what have we learned from pitch effects? When we, I mean, if you're a pitcher, you can't just like automatically decide, I'm going to learn Corey Kluber's curveball. Right. Like you can't just pick it up. Or even more so, like, I'm going to learn Araldus Chapman's velocity. Right. I mean, you are usually just observing, like, player talent. Player talent doesn't change uh, that fast or or very much. But with something like pitch framing, where you have all of a sudden this idea that it can be hugely important, and you have a lot of catchers who maybe haven't been trained very well, and you're also showing how catchers can get better at it, then it only makes sense that it wouldn't take too long before teams are like, okay, we're all going to buy in on this, or at least most of us are, and then you're going to raise the floor so there's no longer that many bad... Like, there's no Ryan Domitz in baseball anymore catching. Gerald Laird's, I don't know who else was terrible. Like, Gerald Saltonwakio's pretty bad, but we're running out of bad framing catchers, which means we're then reducing the value of the best framing catchers. And then you also fold in... The umpire element, where umpires aware of this, and then that's going to introduce some sort of bias that, I mean, it can make a difference every some dozens of pitches. It's really interesting. Where uh, pitch framing obviously isn't dead yet. There's still good framers and, and worse framers, but give it a few more years, and how much more narrow is this band going to get? It's fascinating. So it's I a think. skill set about which we knew for what three, four years before. Um, before, it, I mean, it's, in some ways you could say that it, before the, the import of the skill began to dissolve. Is that possible? 
So framing as an idea has existed for like decades, for as long as the game has been sure, around. We've sure, always sure. no, that. well, not as long because he used to throw uh, the batter used to be able to request where he wanted it in the strike zone. That's true. I wonder if uh, <laughs> if you would like who's a good example here, Kyle Drabeck, and then the and then Kyle Drabeck was playing old timey baseball, but he was throwing overhand, but he was supposed to put the ball where the batter wanted it. Like, would he be the most frustrating pitcher in the game? Would he be Barred from participation because he could never locate. Well, right. Kyle Drabeck using. Anyway, that's an aside. Hey, so, uh, pop quiz. Yeah. Kyle Drabeck threw uh-huh. how many major league innings in 2015? In 2015? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he threw some. Let's go, I don't know, 12? 5.1. But the, it, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the number 12 because he had a 12.2% uh, swinging strike rate. I see. Well, good for... Kyle Drabeck. That's pretty good. He actually probably the rare case of a swinging strike rate that is higher than a strikeout rate. Oh, dear. It's hard to do. It's fun when you have such small yeah. samples. Weird things happen. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, pitch framing research, I think it it kind of exploded around 2011 or 2012. I think there had been some attempts at it previous, like Max Markey did some stuff, Matthew Carruth did some stuff. Then there was, like, the Mike Fast research and additional... Mike Fast research, and so it it got really big. We all started writing about it now. Jose Molina is awesome, and Jonathan Lucroy is up and coming, and he's underrated, and all this stuff. And we identified who's good and who's bad. And I think after that, we saw like the the Rays talked about how this is important to them, and the Brewers acknowledged it was important to them, and then you had teams like the Astros teaching their catchers how to frame better and the Padres are doing that and we just saw like Chris Iannetta all of a sudden became a good framer last year because he finally started putting in some goddamn work and learned how to do it right and so it's just all happened so fast (laughs) okay Chris Iannetta come to my house and tell me that I'm wrong you're in the northwest now anyway I'm not going to tell him where he lives because he's bigger than me I think so uh, yeah a lot bigger than you I'm sure and also he was also doing a good job being a kid, like a baseball player before. He's decent, uh, certainly decent offensive player. Yeah, come on, settle down, Jeff. Well, I'm taller than Chris Iannette at least, and we have similar facial hair. All right. But he does have 50 pounds on me. Yeah. Yeah. Iannette, good last name. Pounds. Dominic. That's his middle name. That's a good. That's a oh, good name. Dominic. It's, it's yeah. Because he's Italian. Yeah. Is his first name anyway. Cristoforo? Uh, it's not Cristoforo, nor is it Cristobal. It is just Christopher. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but he was uh, born in Providence. Right? You know, we've talked about Chris Iannetta being born in Providence. Right? Yeah, we have. On yeah. this very podcast. Yeah. Uh, we've come full circle. So uh, it took some years, but teams started working with these players. And it wasn't just that we had numbers, but we also had demonstrations of how to receive pitches and also how not to receive pitches, and so teams could then more easily uh, direct their instruction to catchers, being like, this is how you want to do it, this is how you don't want to do it. They could help catchers set up the targets. And so you're just, it's like uh, with developing any skill, the learning curve, or I don't know what the word is for it, but the, the improvement curve is most accelerated. It's steepest at the beginning because you're going from nothing to something. And then as you as you build up, it's like a... If you went to the gym and you started lifting, I'm going to guess, I could be wrong, but I don't think you've ever really had it like a lifting regimen 
before. That's fair. Right? Not a regular regimen. Fair guess, yeah. Yeah, so you could probably add a substantial amount of mass to your body just because this is, you don't know your body's capacity yet for, for muscle mass because you've never really tried to build it up. But then if you, if you looked at how much muscle you could gain in the next year versus how much you could then gain in years henceforth, it would be much, much smaller. Just like weight loss, it's just, uh, the, the change is steepest at the beginning. So I think that's what we've seen with framing, where teams just didn't really know what they were doing with it. They just had ideas, but a lot of them were wrong. Like the Mariners used to think that guys like Rob Johnson and Adam Moore were really good defensive catchers. Turned out they sucked at like almost literally everything. But the Mariners just didn't know because they didn't have numbers. But when there were numbers and then when there were demonstrations, teams could get their guys better. And now it's like the best framers aren't... They're not worse at the skill and it's not like there's not value but as long as pretty much every catcher now regular or semi-regular is a pretty good pitch receiver then it just doesn't matter who's good because all of a sudden good isn't good anymore isn't it the one is it the one like the i mean besides some offensive abilities isn't the how hank conger 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 uh-huh. conger conger isn't it isn't that like sort of the foundation for his value is pitch receiving and that, well, one of the things that's interesting about Conger is that if I'm recalling correctly, last year his receiving value went way down. So the ask, he was excellent with the Angels. Couldn't throw for crap, but he was an excellent framer with the Angels. He went to the Astros, and last year he was only a little above average. So he lost like a yeah. whole lot of runs of value. Which So it's not just limited to Jonathan Lucroy in terms of guys who have lost value, even though you wouldn't think that they've gotten any worse at this. Yeah. He showed... Uh... But he was pretty good offensively last year. Average, a little above league average hitter. Conker? Yeah. So that's the thing. That's the thing. He's 28 now. Younger than you. I mean, you just turned 30, didn't you? Recently? Uh, yeah. October. Hmm. How's it going? <sighs> make more noise. You make more noise. I make more noise than I used to. Like when you sit up, for example? Yeah, just like in like not not spoken word noise, you know, just like all the other noises that a that a body makes. I just make more of them, and I think they're they're also louder. Involuntarily, is that what you're talking about? Sometimes involuntarily, and sometimes okay. So like Sam Miller tweeted, Sam has been kind of love gone. Sam Miller. Yeah, he's fantastic. I would yeah love. I, I would, would like to be able to spend more time with him, but he's over there in was he Long Beach? He uh, he's in the Bay Area. He moved. Oh, not too long ago, and now he's he's like best friends with Grant Brisby or something. His oh, family is all get together. Friggin', I know. I was annoyed because Grant's family was gonna. They almost moved to Portland, and then they decided to get a property in the Bay Area, and then Sam moved up there, and it's like, God, could have been best friends with Grant instead. Grant. So Sam lives in the Bay Area, huh? No. Wow, that's just crazy. Yeah. ridiculous. Anyway, he he tweeted not too long ago that he's noticed as he's gotten older, his size have gotten louder. Like he sighs more audibly, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I related to that as I'm sure most of us do. And then for me, I find that it's not just limited to size, but there are there are a lot of size. Just like uh, so, I wouldn't say it's involuntary because sometimes I'll be sitting on the couch and I'll just want to sigh. Yeah, which is something like I never really felt before. But also just like parts of the body make noise; they just like grind together more. Mm-hmm. Or uh, getting out of bed is a noise. Moving around in bed is a noise. Uh, taking a shirt off has become a noise. I are you know. are you more massy? You're pretty thin. I don't think have you gained mass. 
hopefully not bad mass, but I'm I'm trying to get stronger. But I don't have a, a scale, so I don't I I weigh myself whenever I'm at the doctor, which is about every two years. Yeah. So I've uh, I've held pretty steady. Do you take any interest when you're at the the doctor every two years? Do you take any interest in your blood pressure? Do you ever uh, ask guess... about your systolic and your diastolic? No, I don't ask about things unless the, unless the medical professional lingers on them, and I think this is something I should care about. Yeah. But if like uh, mo- pretty much every time I've gone to the doctor in Portland, which is not that many times, but yeah. there was there was a time when I thought I was ill. Anyway, I go in, and the first words that my doctor says are I love some you. variation of uh, I love, I love you. oh yeah you you've met him. <laughs> yeah. He's a wonderful doctor. He's very gentle. <laughs> so I'll go in very and, uh, yeah. and I'll say, hey, so you are still uh, between the ages of 18 and 34, mm-hmm. so you are fine. <laughs> and it's very reassuring, even though it's required absolutely nothing in the way of surveillance yeah. of my condition. Yeah. But uh, So now in my, he's basically embedded in my head the idea that when I'm 34, it's like, oh, I'm on top of the stairs, and it's getting icy. But... I've still got four years of being bulletproof left. Yeah, that must feel good. Yeah. Yeah, except for all the times that I've injured myself. You already know about the trampoline gym. I think we talked about that last and time. And in fact, uh, we've had some, I don't know if you've fielded these comments, but uh, by way of social media platform, Twitter.com, mm-hmm. yeah. um, a number active, of people active platform. have reached out to me to note, that, uh, to note various injuries that they acquired or... <laughs> Uh, friends and family have acquired by way of trampoline. Multiple yeah, people was, have done this, yeah. I was getting those. I think, yeah, we talked about this in the last podcast. I was getting those a few days after uh, I went and after we podcasted as well. And one guy who said that he he intentionally disobeyed my advice and took his, like, five- or ten-year-old child to a trampoline gym the next day, and then the child broke his arm. Yeah, that's, like, ter- that's terrible. I always... No, it's, it is. It is legitimately. Uh, I terrible. bet if you. I bet you know, if you're a parent and you and you're the one who brings your child to a place, and then the child breaks his or her arm, then you must feel real bad. So when when we went to the trampoline gym, uh, we went with uh, a married couple, and I know I've told some of this before, but so the wife has had two major uh, hip surgeries in two years. To it was like hip dysplasia or something. So she had very significant hip surgery, both of her hips, but she's recovered. The husband had uh, eight or nine years ago torn his ACL. Yeah. But it was the wife whose idea it was that we go to the trampoline gym, and so we go to the, the trampoline gym. Hip dysplasia gym. wife. Yes. Okay. The hip dysplasia wife suggests we go to the trampoline gym, so we're going. She kind of tweaks her groin. She's all right. I hurt my back. I end up all right. But the husband hurts his knee, and this we didn't know this at the time that we podcasted, but it's confirmed now. He did tear his ACL uh, <laughs> again. So the husband tore his ACL, and so now. Even though it's not what's important, the wife has to go through months of guilt of knowing it was her idea to go to a trampoline gym, despite yeah. all the evidence pointing to it being a terrible idea. Yeah. Well, you went as well. Did yeah, you, it was did a you, terrible idea. You, I got hurt. Did you not know it was a terrible idea before? Uh, you we went? all. My, you okay, suspected. My yeah. lady friend and I recognized immediately this is a terrible idea, but mm-hmm. we. You have to make concessions with friends, right? Because you have to be really delicate with your couple friends because you don't want to push away your couple friends. Because it's very important they have couple friends provided they also aren't going to have kids because you need to cling to those people like goddamn barnacles on the hull of a ship. And yeah. so we don't want, we don't want to lose these people because they're going to be kidless just like us. That's important. Hey, I have a question. With your couple yeah. friends, you got couple friends, 
Yeah, and and I don't know if the, how this particular couple that you're discussing right now how they um, fare by this, but the, but the, you know, sometimes you got sometimes one is like a little bit better than the other, and you and like <laughs> I know my wife and I we've couple friends. Some of the couple friends, you know, you have each partner doing uh, an equal amount of lifting. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in some cases, you're like. Yeah, she's better, or like he's clearly better, and the other one, you're just like, you know, I guess it's a package deal, so you can't really divorce yourself of both of them, you know? Yeah, no, we've, we've got both. These, this couple friends is like equal, but then we've got others where I think, maybe you should break up. And then we could just, <laughs> we could just be friends with one of you. Like, that's, that's what we're doing this yeah. Saturday, is going to an event hosted by the half of a couple that we don't care for, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's still time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, yeah, yeah. well, do you have any friends, like, you feel like they went out, like, maybe you have a guy friend who, he found a girl, right, and they're going out, and you actually start, you start to realize, like, uh, this, this girl he found is better than he is. And maybe if they break up, like, maybe I'll choose, can I take, like, for friends from now on, can I have her instead of him? I mean, I assume this is how a lot of your friends feel about you guys. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh yeah sure no uh well i think my wife and i we we calm each other fairly well because she's much more considerate than i am mm-hmm. um are you inconsiderate just uh don't like i like if someone's not around me like i just don't know that they exist i guess is the thing oh okay so you're not thoughtful not thoughtful right right I'm not thoughtful. No, but if we're together, I, I, I also get I get energized though by being with people, mm-hmm. um, and so when we're all face to face, like I tend to be very, you know, I'm very excited to see people and it's like a like a like a stupid dog basically. <laughs> I guess. Okay, so but you'd be bad at like checking in with friends who live somewhere else. Precisely. Like- Okay, okay. Keep yeah. in touch with family. I mean, I think that's an important, I mean, that's an important part of preserving relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, is to, to keep in touch. And, um, yeah, my wife's a lot better at that than I am. Yeah, and my girlfriend's pretty aware of my borderline autism, so she can pick up on social cues that I just completely miss, and then she yeah. can, uh, tell me, uh, maybe I did something wrong, and that's yeah. helpful. Yeah, put your pants back on, and maybe she has to say. Well, she, she doesn't <laughs> say that one to me very much. <laughs> I should know, for the record, I think this is the third consecutive podcast I've conducted with you while wearing a bathrobe. <laughs> I didn't know that, and I didn't I didn't know that you owned a bathrobe. I, I don't know anyone who wears a bathrobe, honestly. Well, it was, it was bought for me. Like, years ago, uh, my then-girlfriend and I stayed at this really nice hotel in Bend, Oregon, and then the hotel came with, like, we didn't get to keep the bathrobes, but they had bathrobes on site. It was an awesome hotel, mm-hmm. and so we wore them because that's what you do with a, a free temporary bathrobe. And I thought this is fantastic; I would love to have one of these. And so I got one as like a birthday or Christmas gift or something. Yeah, I haven't actually washed it uh, since because it seems like it would just take up like the whole machine. But I wear it whenever I get out of the shower, and I am out of the shower because I went for a jog, which it's is like why a wearable I towel, podcast. right? It is. Yeah, that's yeah. a whole Mitch Hedberg joke, right? Maybe it's yeah, maybe it is. Sure, but um, uh, it's also an observation. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a wearable towel that ties if you want it to tie in the front, and then if you please don't want it, tie, please, it's your own please, house. No, please tie it in the front. <laughs> what is what is uh, what is it customary to wear underneath a bathrobe? What? Really? 
You're just nude. You're just nude underneath the bath. Even you're I'm, nude under what you're wearing. Yeah, but I have. I mean, I have jeans on, but then I have underwear under that. And then I do have, you like, think parts of me are going to come through the microphone and out of your microphone? No, like, I'm not worried about that. I'm just asking. I'm asking what, like, what is it? What is normal to wear under a bathrobe? Nothing. Is my the, understanding it, is nothing. Now, if you're like one of those old men who wears a bathrobe but also goes out to get the newspaper while wearing it, then probably some underwear. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. It could yeah. just be a thing if you want to put on something that's slightly warmer than what you're currently wearing. You could put on a bathrobe. That's true. It's a, it has a, it has some manner. There's some slight formality to it, which is probably what I appreciate. If you just have on underwear and a t-shirt, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go grab the paper or I'm going to answer the door. You can answer the door in a bathrobe. There's like a level of acceptability to that that is not if you're just in your underwear and a t-shirt. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, you I don't mean, have to go down. Even, it even has this collar to it. It's like a slight collar. It's currently popped, which yeah. is not on purpose, but it's, it's that for just robe is, uh, it's a nice word. But I, you know, I went for a jog. And yeah, a robe, a, a robe has, I, yeah, the regality to it. Yeah. It's like a, it's a cape, but it's on all sides of me. Where's the cape usually? Just in the back? Just in the back. Yeah, alright. Or in the front if you're eating like barbecue. <laughs> That's a bib. <laughs> Apron. Uh, yeah, I, I could have I could have put on clothes, but then I would have been an additional minute later to this podcast, and I, I thought at some point I didn't want to delay any longer. No, that's good. That's good. I'm glad. No. I don't know. Have we? So uh, based on uh, based on Chris Iannetta's, I'm cutting you off. Chris Iannetta's baseball reference page. Uh, it, you know, he, all the pages have a place for agents. And uh, previously, Chris Iannetta, it says, was represented by Alan Nero. You recognize Alan Nero as an agent's name? Sure. Wait, do you yeah. mean I recognize it as the sort of name an agent would have or as a specific <laughs> uh, agent? It seems like a name that you just come around, come across. Like, this yeah, is a okay. guy who's not Scott Boris, but he is an agent. Also, yeah. it it is kind of like an agent name yeah. or like a Roman. <clears throat> but then, okay, so he's no longer with Alan Nero. Okay. Now he's currently uh, with Lou John Nero. Lou John Nero. Lou John Nero. Lou, Lou, L-O-U, John, J-O-N, Nero. So it's like he moved to Alan, Alan Nero's like more country brother, but like maybe <laughs> with the same agency. But is Lou John what LJ is short for? Like a... Not usually. It can't be. LJ. What do you think LJ Hose's name is? Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Wait, don't look, because I'm about to look too. Okay, I'll Have give you, you a hint looked? right now, though. What's it that? Is, I'll give you a hint. It is not something you would ever guess. All right, well, no, no, but, but here, here's, let's answer this question first. What do you think it's typically, when you see LJ, I would guess... Leonard James? Well, I was going to say Lewis. What's the most popular L name? It must be Lewis, right? Lewis? La- Lawrence? Leonard, Lawrence, yeah, any of these are candidates. And then, and then yeah, John or James, probably the most common J names. You know... J is the first letter in some very popular names, especially relative to how often you use that letter um, in, in uh, the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's just a brief okay. observation. Yeah. So uh, here are the, the uh, so L J Hose is short for Jerome O'Brien Hose. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't have Jerome heard. O'Brien Hose. Yeah. But little Jerome. Probably little Jerome. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, minor league LJs in the past, there's been an LJ Archambault, 
given first name Lurley. There's been an L.J. Birnbaum, given Leonard. Mine. L.J. Gagne, given Lauren Joseph. Interesting. Lauren. Gagne? Yeah, that's uh, French. Gagne. Or, uh, French. Yeah. Where, where was, uh, can we see where Gagne, L.J. Gagne was from? L.J. Gagne is from Santa Cruz, California. Okay. Not a, <laughs> not a hotbed of, of French activity, but okay. Oh, he made it all the way to AAA. But was bad. Uh, there's an L.J. Jenkins given L.J. Okay, that's not helpful. No. L.J. Mazzilli, Lee Lewis. Is that Lee Mazzilli? Is that like his? Yeah, I think that's his son. The son. And there's a L.J. Yankowski, uh, Leonard Joseph. Leonard. Jo- oh, Joseph. That's another name. It's like oh. uh, yeah, John James Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. Lou John. Lewis. Lewis John. No, none of those were Lewis, though, were they? No. There was a Lauren and a Leonard and a uh, Luffy. What was the first one? Luffy? Larfy? Larfy? Oh, I already closed the window. It was uh, it was a weird one. Hmm. Lurley. Oh, yeah. Hey, I want to tell you something. Uh, this uh, talk about French people. My wife and I just recently purchased tickets to go to Paris, France in March. Uh-huh, again. Listen to this. Listen to the airfare. Round trip, buddy. Four fifty-five. That's amazing, right? I think that's amazing. Yeah, we were we were getting it. Uh, I was looking up from Boston, and they were all like eight hundred, eight hundred fifty. And I noticed a number of them were going through Montreal. Hmm. We're only like three and a half hours from Montreal where we live, and so I said, well, "Let's just check out Montreal." Got one on Air Transat. I don't know. It's probably not how you say it. Air Transat, though. It's a Quebec airline. 450 round trip. That is a fa- that is a fantastic price. That is a wonderful price. Yes, it is. I couldn't believe you, it. Is it some special Paris Montreal connection where they just want to have they want to incentivize the lowest rates possible because they want more of them? I don't know actually. At, well, you bring up somewhat of a point. It could be subsidized at some level, maybe by one or the other government. There are um, there are programs for. French citizens to become patriot, patriot, pat- not patronized, <laughs> <laughs> uh, repatriated uh-huh. as Canadians. Maybe that's what I'm saying. Although it's not patriated again, but to to become Canadian citizens, essentially, they have a sort of um, <clears throat> ex- ex- expedited path to citizenship, to Canadian citizenship. In Quebec, maybe specifically is what I'm thinking of. So uh, I could be based on that, but anyway, so we're going to drive up to Montreal and then uh, take an evening flight to Paris. There doesn't seem to be anything wrong with that plan, does there? When are you going? Middle of March. How long are you going? Eleven nights. And eleven days? No, twelve days. Is this a vacation, or are you working? I will work. I'll probably work for half of it. Maybe I'll take a week off and somewhere there. Although that's the week. You know we have to write those. Uh, oh, those God. We write. They're Damn. the worst things we have to write. The uh, positional power rankings. The positional power rankings. That is uh. a real problem. Yep. Oh, yep. God. That's, uh, they always come out every March, middle to late March. And you're given what? The the, the depth chart. So you look at, so say you're assigned second baseman, right? You you copy and paste the depth charts for all 30 teams, and then you have to write something of substance for all 30 teams. But it just takes 
you start again anew. You write like, what is it, like 150, 200, 300 words? Yeah. And then you then you have to say, okay, now it's the time for the Yankees. You say, well, the Yankees uh, – and then you have, you have to create a, some sort of narrative arc within 200 words for every team. Yeah, it's just 30 mini posts. Yeah, it's tough. All in one. It's tough. It took – last year when I did it, I was in Mexico City. And uh, I spent I spent almost uh, 24 straight hours working on it. <laughs> you <laughs> might a, you might make too big a deal of it relative yeah, but, to what it is. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I woke up and I started writing it, and I don't think I stopped till like 2 a.m. that night. Wow. But you, it must take you a while too. Yeah, it takes a while, but what I like about it is I think Dave and I have this understanding that when I have to do one of those, it counts as two posts instead of one. Oh, yeah, Just so it's a whole day. It's basically yeah. a day. Right, which is fine because I can do it in, I don't know, five hours. Five hours means that you're doing six teams, an hour means ten minutes a team. That seems doable. No, that's not doable. It's longer than five hours. No. No. But at least the pitching ones are broken up. Into halves, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty. Good. I think I've had the second half, two years in a row. I think I had the second half of the relief pitchers, which, <laughs> which means nothing to anybody. <laughs> and so I, I think one year, like, I'd been working on it for a while while we were in Arizona on our trip there. Yeah. And I said, to Dave, I said, I don't think I'm gonna have it by the end of the day. It was like the end of the day on Friday, right? And he's like, uh, yeah, don't worry about it. No one's gonna, no one's gonna read what you're writing anyway. God, the relief one is always the worst because you have to do it, and it's a lot of work, but it's like these projections are basically just random, and they're so compressed anyway that, like, okay, we know the Yankees are going to have a really good bullpen this year, but then what? Like, not only (laughs) are bullpens so volatile, but, like, the projections just don't really capture some of the relievers, which can make a big difference. Like, with the Orioles, the the projections, I think, don't think anything of, like, Michael Givens. Or something. Or with the Royals, it's they're still penalizing Wade Davis for like the year he started. Mm-hmm. So the projection. Which, which to be of, fair, which to be fair, like if you are if you're fashioning a projection system, if you're creating a projection system, then that's like kind of the way you do it, right? Like you say, okay, we're going to take like either three years of data or five years of data, huh? and you cannot treat you can't treat start treating players as special, uh, you know, as special circumstances because. Right. Because then ultimately you're actually going to make your projection system worse by bringing your own biases or what you consider knowledge to yeah. the projection. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and I think that's why it's interesting to compare the fan projections to the steamer projections or the zips projections, because then you can kind of see where what players fan the fans feel most strongly about being oh, that's different a good point. Yeah. from yeah. the projections. I was I was trying to I was looking into that as a potential post yesterday, and then I noticed like the players that fans like more than steamer are really uninteresting players or like so well, the biggest difference right now between fan projection and steamer projection for a position player by Woba can you guess you maybe you can guess Miguel Sano uh no Franklin Gutierrez and here's why the fans know Franklin Gutierrez uh is not the debilitated oh, yeah. thin wafy cripple he was a couple of years ago when he was unhelpful for the Mariners so he's not like actively ill in the way that he used to be Okay, well, so that's... He had a disease. And he, I mean, he, in fairness, he still has it. It's chronic. He's never going to get over it. It could contribute to his death. But the Mariners uh, are able to manage it. He's able to manage it. And he's gotten a lot stronger. And so 
like the fans know that Seymour doesn't. That's uninteresting because I think we already kind of know Frank Woodier is not going to hit for a 301 Woba like because what he did a few years ago was not interesting. Another one near the top, it was either number two or number three, uh, Mikey Matuk for the Rays. Yeah. Like uh, the fans like him more than Seymour, but it's still like, okay, that's great, but he's going to be like a super role player, I think, for the Rays, so it's not really that relevant. Uh, I don't remember who else is up there. Maybe, let's see if this is right. Piscotti? Was Piscotti up there? Yeah, this it's uh, it's one of my favorite pastas. <laughs> <laughs> I like that his his first initial is also S. Spiscotti. Spiscotti. Uh So, Spiscotti, uh fans project a 347 Woba, steamer 319. Okay, so there's a difference there. Not enormous, but pretty substantial. So the fans are pretty high on... Scotty, it's not walks, it's not strikeouts, it's some power and it's some Babbitt, because last year, whatever. We can go into this if we want to, but maybe I'll try to make a post out of this soon. I kind of don't know what I'm going to write about for tomorrow, but stuff like that, it's, I don't know. I looked hey, at the numbers, it took 20 minutes to collect the numbers, and I thought, this isn't interesting. Another illustrative thing is when the fans project, uh, they, they produce a worse projection. Yes, uh, I saw one of these. Uh, Josh it's, rare, it's rare. It's rare. So who is it? It is uncommon. Josh Tolley? Like, who cares? <laughs> but uh, and they didn't like him. Uh, I was surprised. I think, if I recall, the fans were actually lower on Victor Martinez than Steamer, which I uh, was unexpecting. Because uh, I, I think fans are usually in favor of uh, complete, healthy rebounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the average difference between... So far this year, between fans and steamer for offenses, the fans are nine Woba points higher on players than steamer. That's the average difference for everyone captured, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's substantial. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I agree with you for. I agree with you now. I actually, if I recall, another one that surprised me is uh, fans are actually eight Woba points lower on Mike Trout than steamer. Which means that you're talking about a 17 point difference between what you'd expect based on the overall fan voting. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Now, as I look at it, I'm not entirely clear why. The power is the same, the walks are the same, strike. Okay, so the fans think I'll strike out a little more. That's fair. Yeah, everything's actually, yeah, I'm looking at it now too. Everything's a little bit worse. Slightly yeah. worse walk rate, slightly higher strikeout rate, slightly lower Babbitt. It yeah. all adds to be up. clear, fans still think he's an eight and a half win player. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they have not backed down from acknowledging that Mike Trout is uh, the best player in baseball. No, that's true. It's a good point. You're making a lot of good points. It's it's always a real pleasure to, for that reason to have you on the podcast. Talk to you a little bit. And uh, yeah. you're a pleasure as well. I want to tell you about a post on which I'm working poorly. Um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it's an argument for. Uh, Nats prospect Max Schrock winning the uh, winning the MVP award someday. Uh huh. <laughs> do you have do you have bets with yourself to see how little traffic you can drive with the most amount of time you invest in a post? Well, the part of it, well, the reason it it makes sense is because it's uh he's the player. From the from the um, he's the player in college last year who most resembled who was drafted who most resembled Josh Donaldson in his draft year. Josh Donaldson is the Josh Donaldson is the best player in the majors right now who also played in college, and so I wanted to say like 
who who among the players who were just drafted, which one of them most resembles Josh Donaldson? Uh huh. From that year. So the okay. answer is Max Schrock. Did you know that there is a Tyler Schrock, the White Sox, but it's uh, Schrock with a Y, Schrock. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, not only okay, so you didn't know that, but you know who was also drafted higher than Max Schrock? Tyler Schrock. <laughs> but are you looking at Max Schrock's numbers actually? Do you, you have mean that? like his 803 low minors OPS? Oh yeah. Well yeah, not just that though, but he. Uh... Well, he made a lot of contact, decent power. Oh, I think Max Schrock is going to be a real player. I like his chances of winning the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. I'm telling you right now. You heard it here, Max Schrock, 13th round pick. Uh huh. He's my man. Selected 404 overall by the Washington Nationals. I like his chances. So I'm calling it 50-50 right now. <laughs> well, it's true because he either will or he won't. Yeah, right. It's oh, okay. A, here's a here's the thing. Uh, somebody else drafted the same round as Max Schrock. Mm-hmm. So Max Schrock was drafted 13th round, 404th overall. Yeah. Uh, drafted 13th round, 377th overall. Drafted by the Rockies. Miles Jones. Okay, Miles Jones. Not interesting. Just Miles is the first name. But Miles spelled M Y L Z. Miles Jones. Oh, M-Y-L-Z. really? Yeah. That's a great spelling, <laughs> Miles. He is. Uh, oh, yeah. This this won't surprise you. He is the only. Miles, M-Y-L-Z, in professional baseball history, according to baseball reference, major or minor leagues. Yeah. Uh, maybe you will not come as a surprise. He came out of Bakersfield, California. Okay. Home of... Uh, it doesn't mean anything. But I don't. Bakersfield is a no place to me. I but, presume it is where you find the greatest percentage of people named Miles okay. uh, in in the United States, and also the the greatest rate of first names that are... Uh, humiliated by the arrangement of letters to form alternate spelling. Uh, Miles Jones, also last year at comparable OPS in the low minors to Max Schrock, MVP. Okay, yeah. I'll make a, I'll make a bet with you. Alright. I know nothing about either player. Yeah. I will make a bet that Miles Jones ends up with a more successful major league career than Max Schrock. We will revisit in 20 years. <laughs> we may not have to. It may not take 20 years. <laughs> but yeah, all right. And the conditions. Well, so what? Highest highest career war. I'm I'm so confident that I'm going to win this bet. Yeah. That I think that if you have any children after the bet is over, then you need to name your child Miles M Y L Z. That's mine. Uh, no, I can't do that because that requires third-party inputs. <laughs> and no, also I think fourth and I fifth think understand. How much confidence do you have in your Max Schrock MVP post? How, do I, how much confidence do I have in the post? Zero. In your <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Um, I'll bet something with you, though. I will bet. I mean, what, how much do you want to bet? $100? Well, what's that going to be in 20 years? How about a hundred dollars? Here, I'll go to dollars. I'll go, no, no, I'll go to an inflation calculator. A hundred dollars. I forget. I found a good. I found a good inflation calculator earlier today. I was just. I was <laughs> testing inflation. I don't know why. All right, let's see. Oh, does this uh? What? What are you looking at? 
Oh, I just noticed that last year on the 2015 Auburn Double Days, Max Schrock was a teammate of one Mariano Rivera. Oh yeah, that's uh yeah, that's Mariano Rivera's son who went to what Elon or something like that. Well, okay, here's what's here's what's weird. Mariano Rivera, uh, drafted by the Yankees in 2014, did not sign. Oh drafted yeah, by the Nationals the next year. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, listen. So let's say a. Th- a hundred dollars. Did we say a hundred? Is that how much we said? Yeah. And what do you want to say inflation is? Uh, people predicting two, two and a half. Well, so the league uses four percent, right? All right. You want to yeah. use four? Let's go with four. And then what do we say? Twenty years. Twenty years. Let's see. Two hundred nineteen dollars and eleven cents. Okay, that's our bet. Okay, two hundred nineteen dollars eleven cents to be recorded here. And the bet is Miles Jones versus Max Schrock. Yes, MYLZ, Miles Jones. Career war. I'm very or, confident. Or if one play, okay, what do we do in the event that one of them makes the majors but actually has a negative war, and then the other one doesn't make the majors? I think this is a very high likelihood. This <laughs> I think then we give credit to the person who made it, even if he was below replacement level. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. I will will agree that uh, that below replacement level is worth more than. No. What if one of them? So what if one of them has like a career, like these these like shortstops from the mid '80s who have like or '90s who have like negative five wins over their career uh-huh. over like okay. five five thousand plate appearances, and the other guy gets one plate appearance. Okay. How about this? As a uh, as a proxy, career total major league salary. Career major league salary. Yeah. That's pretty good, actually. Okay. And we'll do it. So, if a, I wait, think if a light, guy... In, wait, uh, no, but I like the idea of wins above replacement better for some reason. Yeah, but maybe you won't in 20 years. <laughs> That's a good point. Career major league salary. Yeah. And what do we want to do about partial seasons? Just give full credit? Like if you play a week and a year, you get the credit for the major league minimum. No, that's, that's the fun. problem with this. That's one of the problems with the salary. No, we're doing war. We're doing war. And if they both have negative, listen. Uh, no way. Uh, how do you deal with this? All right. So <laughs> one guy, one guy gets one plate appearance and he gets a base hit, right? Yeah. So he's yeah. got like a point one war, say. And the other guy gets five thousand plate appearances, but it has negative three war. Who's who's better at that point? I'm telling you, salary. We got to do salary, or at least like service time or something. Because yeah. I think, uh, damn it, this is complicated. But we need to get this settled because there's no way we're coming back to this until it's no, January no, no. 27th. I think career war. Actually, no, I think career war. Okay, I'll tell you what. This will make it fun. Career war. That's it. And if it's below zero, that doesn't matter. You lose. If Max Schrock never makes the major leagues, but Miles Jones makes the major leagues, and I'm just going to assume is worth negative five wins in a week because he's terrible, then I lose the bet. Even though my player made the majors. No, no, no. I, no right. I have, I have, a, um, I have, I have a, 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 another thing to add. Mm. If, right. <clears throat> yes, it will be career war. It'll be career war. If one guy, but, but both, but only if both players surpass rookie eligibility. <clears throat> okay? 
Okay. So if one guy comes up and gets a plate appearance, uh, one plate appearance, the other guy has 5,000 plate appearances and negative three wins. The guy with negative three wins still win, still wins the bet because, but <clears throat> if the other guy, if the first guy, uh, uh, quality, you know, if he surpasses, what is it, like 130 plate appearances or whatever? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And it, if, if he, if he, um, exhausts his rookie eligibility, then he becomes eligible for the bet. Okay. Does that sound good? That sounds good. We right. have a bet. We define the and, terms. Uh, They're recorded in, um, roughly minute 77 of the podcast. We got a big bet. And, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know that Miles Jones has five inches on Max Trop. Uh, at least vertically, I assume. Shrock. Shrock. Uh, what? You know, I don't need to learn how to say his name because it doesn't matter. It is going to matter. No. Max Schrock is good. He's been Miles playing infield. He's going to be a good second baseman. Yeah, Miles Jones, also a second baseman and a third baseman and a center fielder and a left fielder and a right fielder and a shortstop. Do you, I don't you, like that my player is already a utility player. <laughs> well, this is the 13th round of the draft. <laughs> and uh, Wait, did he go to college? He must have got to college. He's older. Yeah, he went to uh, Cal State Bakersfield. Yeah, yeah Cal State right. Bakersfield. <laughs> there it is. Okay, yeah. so Miles Jones. Uh, do you? So, all right. Based on this, this is something that I, I know that happens in my life because essentially you've just tried to prove a point. Mm. Miles Jones, in and of himself, is meaningless to you, but you have now invested him with with your own personal means, such that part of you is at stake. <laughs> like Miles Jones's performance now. Reflects part of you at this point. You have an investment. Yeah, this is like fantasy sports. You must feel some sort of connection to Miles Jones now. Yeah, his name is. <laughs> no, you can't say that. But it is. It is objectively stupid. It is a stupid name. Here, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go to Google Image Search. Yeah. I'm going to type in M Y L Z in quotes to make sure. Yeah. This is what I got. I'm going to go to image. Oh, oh he looks. Really nice. Okay, I feel like, bad. Is he a nice boy? Miles Jones? I mean... Oh, yeah, he's... He looks like the friendliest guy in every image of him. Yeah. You know what? Now I'm even more invested. I hope Miles Jones is fantastic. I, I'm skeptical because he was drafted by the Rockies, but I feel good about him. Let's see this Max Schrock character by comparison. Okay. What did this guy look like? Oh, look how glum. He doesn't even care. What a dick. <laughs> I'm a big Max Schrock guy. Oh, he has a neck beard, for God's sake. No, Miles Jones. No, he looks so nice. He looks nice, You know what? My player could kick your player's ass today. Well, he is like four inches taller, isn't he? Five. All right. Yeah. No, Max Schrock is going to be the dude. Max Schrock is going to be the starting second baseman for for a major league team within five years. Okay, yeah, maybe if they put a major league team in Auburn, New York. Hey, listen. Miles Jones was a year... Played last year a year older than Schrock, and Schrock played it at a level above him. What do you think about that? I don't. No, I guess you're not. We got a difference of six months of age. I don't care. Okay. It's it's not a good sign. Yours is already playing primarily second base, whereas well, mine played, played primarily shortstop. No, I don't think def- he played mostly left field for South Carolina last year. So. Well, not for teams that mattered. I'm sorry, Auburn. Auburn in the 
New York, Pennsylvania, really doesn't matter. No, I'm saying Max Schrock did. When he played for the University of South Carolina last year, he played mostly yeah. on the field. Yeah, and then he then he played professionally, and guess what? He played 30 games at second base and eight at DH, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to lose this bet. You're going to owe me, in the year in the year 2036, you're going to owe me $219.11. I'll put it on my will because I could be dead. Could be. I'll tell you what. If I am dead, I want you – I'm going to have to get this written into the contract that you would go to wherever my body is. And I want you to not only place bring that money, mm. I want you to then destroy that money where mm-hmm. I am. If I presumably have been cremated and spread around, so I would like you to also cremate the money that you owe me, yeah. spread it around, so that my ashes might interact with your ashes of wealth. All right, I'll do it. Sure. You know, one thing I don't understand is why people continually ask for you to have me on the podcast because this is what happens. Yeah. This is this appeals to people. I mean, as long as it's slightly better than silence, I've 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 uttered those words before, but I think that's true. Well, you have five minutes until you wanted to start preparing dinner. So, what should I write about tomorrow? For tomorrow, make a case for Miles Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I don't I don't care. I actually that that thing with the, the the steam versus. Fan projections is interesting to me. The big, yeah, I, I mean, just, just wish the players were more interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, but you could. There's always. I mean, you could try to you attempting to explain the discrepancies. Seems mm-hmm. like it. There's some merit in that, right? Yeah, it's also one of the complications that I was thinking about is that it doesn't really correct uh, for who the fans are because it's not the same pool of fans putting in projections for everyone. I would assume that team fans are doing the a disproportionate amount of their team projections. So what if, like, I don't know, Blue Jays fans are higher or less high on their team than Red Sox fans? Well, then, I don't know, maybe you could... Hmm. Okay, I have some ideas. Sounds like you really figured it out, buddy. Little, okay. little, little buddy. Teammate of Max Schrock with Auburn that isn't Mariano Rivera. We yeah. got a... Uh, oh god, no, they're all just, uh, nobody cares about his teammates, they all suck too. Diomedes, here's a name, Diomedes Eusebio. You think I can get <laughs> away? No, it's got an S at the end, I couldn't do it. Okay, here's an even weirder one. Try to make sense of, uh, <clears throat> first name Randy, first name Randy, mm-hmm. last name Encarnacion. I like it. Yeah? Yeah, that how happens about, sometimes. Uh, how about, first name, or last name Ruiz, common last name Ruiz. First name, Adderling, A-D-D-E-R-L-I-N-G. Yeah. Adderling. I've heard that. Adderling Ruiz. Yeah. have? Uh, versions of it. A version of it. Where's he from? Uh, Adderling. From the Dominican. Uh, I lost it. Adderling Ruiz. Dominican. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They, I No name really surprised me. Does any name really surprise you? Holy crap. Okay, I'm not making this up. Uh, on the Auburn Double Days, first pitcher that comes up in the pitcher list, Joan Baez. <laughs> it is, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Wow. Okay. Well, that's uh, what. This is one of the nice things about about baseball, right? And the how the ex- extensiveness, the extensiveness. See what I just did? I took an adjective and made it into a noun, and I don't like the word extensiveness. Anyway. The population. There are so many minor leaguers. They, you, you see uh, so many different names. 
There's a Coda yeah. and a Cody on that team among the pitchers. True. Hmm. Coda, you don't see a lot. No. Is that a Hawaiian? You think it's that's Hawaiian? Nice no, from Oklahoma. <laughs> and there's a uh, Mackenzie Mills, which sounds like it's a neighborhood bakery. Or yeah, uh, I'd go there. Or Mackenzie Mills. Yeah. Yep. Maximo, Maximo Valerio. That's a pretty good name. That's a good one. Yeah. Dominican. Still no, uh, still no Joan Baez. No. All right. Let's, we're done. Yeah, this is, we're, we're done. Enough. So really, it's been a real pleasure, Jeff. You, you, yeah. you will find provide, I can fish it, you know, tonight, tomorrow. Uh, you will see a post about Max Schrock tomorrow. <laughs> I, I'm not lying I, to you. I, yeah. I have no reason for skepticism. I, I, uh, look forward to glancing at it and I look forward to winning these $219.11. Um, do you think this will fit on one line? A rock, an airtight argument for Max Schrock as future MVP? Uh, airtight? Could you, okay, so one way to make sure it fits on one line is could you make the font so small that people can't read the words? <laughs> and actually, it could, then if you did that with the rest of the post as well, then we might really have something. You know, actually, I invoke uh, in that, uh, in this po- post I'm writing, the thing that you wrote, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, about a year ago now, I guess, uh, that I, I, from which I benefited considerably, which was your post on, on, uh, where you ask if good players were good prospects. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day, cause, uh, well, no reason in particular, but yeah, I liked that post and the series of ideas that came out of it, and then I like that you've gotten some more mileage out of it. Yeah, I have gotten more mileage. I think it was a great idea. You start with say, you start with say, well, these are the, we know this player is good. Who's like mm-hmm. him? That, and that's what I do. And that's what I did. I said, we know Josh Donaldson's good. Josh Donaldson's the best, the, probably the best player in the game today who also went to college. I mean, Mike Trout and, uh, is better, but he only went to high school. Bryce Harper sort of went to community college, but he did it so that he could graduate high school a year early. So that's not really the same thing. And then you have Josh Donaldson. Then there's mm-hmm. Buster Posey. Buster Posey, you can make a decent argument for Buster Posey. He's the best player. And Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant's probably the, the third in that group. Let's see. And uh, Jake Arrieta, high school. Clayton Kershaw, high school. Oh no, Jake Arrieta went to college. Where'd he go? Yeah, I actually didn't. I didn't do it with pitchers. I probably could do that too. Yeah, Zach Greinke, high school. Clayton Kershaw, high school. And then of course you have international players as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're signed even earlier. So if if you're talking about data that could mean something, you you really you got to do college and then. So yeah, Josh Johnson. Who is Josh Johnson? The answer: Max Schrock. Actually, Andrew Benatendi, who was selected like seventh overall by the Red Sox, actually had a better season last year than Donaldson did in his draft year. So I suppose you can make a case for Andrew Benatendi, but that's not what I'm doing. No. 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 All right. Jeff, thank you. Thank you, Carson. Let me say this. That has been Jeff Sullivan, senior editor at Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Stooley. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Thank you.